Namaste. So we spoke uh, on the first day about the nature of the crisis that we are facing today and uh, that's the nature at bottom of every crisis that there is a play of two kinds of forces in conflict with each other one is the forces that tend towards evolution and the other the forces that tend towards retrogression and this itself changes as mankind evolves so in the course of evolution we have reached at a point of transition and at its bottom this crisis is an evolutionary crisis wherein man can lend assent to the forces of ascending evolution and thereby take a leap from man to a being greater than man or else he can lend his assent to the forces of retrogression which are also very active at this point of time the mother says uh, very you know clearly in one of our later talks the good is becoming better and evil is becoming worse because that's the way that evolution proceeds even the gita speaks about it where that which is evil tends to enter into the denser and denser inconscient that's how we see in savitri death trying to take refuge and drawing its strength from the darkest corners but that itself is a sign that it is about to end as he said in one of the messages before dying falsehood rises to its utmost swing so this is what we are witnessing today this the evolutionary crisis is deepening it is creating more and more uh, a state of almost conflict at several levels its result is a foregone conclusion the reason why it is a foregone conclusion because if we take the premise that there is a divine consciousness and this whole universe is a projection and emergence of that consciousness then that consciousness is certainly much 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 greater wider higher in every way quantity quality and eventually has the hold upon the universe and therefore its will is bound to succeed as the mother put it in a 1954 message no human will can finally prevail against the divine will even in savitri so beautifully we were listening to brother narad you know that um, last part penultimate part of the prophecy and in that shurvindu assures us even should a hostile force cling to its reign yet the hour must come of the transcendent will so people may ask at this juncture but this has been happening all this while so why is it that it didn't succeed earlier and cycles of creation had to go back to dissolution or pralaya now the reason is very simple if the divine were to will were to superimpose itself with all its power and glory then there would be no more creation itself because it's too powerful for creation to even receive it let alone be transformed so what is required is a gradual slow preparation and just like there is the process of rebirth through which we go back and come back uh, we return we return with a the starting point is a little better in terms of consciousness and slowly we make this ascension so this slow process of progression is a necessity at through large spaces of time to prepare mankind to receive what it is going to at one point receive and then there is a hastening a quickening of all the many sides of human endeavor through which human consciousness has progressed and a summing up and the great leap so this what we are seeing today and um, uh, it's it's important here to understand that while we are trying to solve the problems that we are facing all the time in different ways uh, by falling back on the old ways 
she said very clearly that the old ways are no longer going to work very very categorically and i think it's important to remind ourselves again and again whether it be the old system of education the old system of health the old political system financial system the old way of understanding life the old forms of relationships they are not going to work very simply because their hour is over and we can take one example when um, the 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 thing about you know when mother was asked to give a message about marriage in oroville and she said that its time is over so you know the institution called marriage is dismantled so she was asked then uh, you know because people didn't understand it they meant that you know one could do anything and everything then she gave what is really should be should replace it so mother and shubindo have not only said that these things are dated but they are bringing in the new element and uh, which should replace it for instance now the old social order was based on an external agency there were people who sat together and decided in a group life community life or a religious life and by the sanction of the society by the sanction of a religion or a group life individuals followed it now this was one way that social order was maintained but at the expense of the individual and his liberty and his growth so that kind of unity which superimposes itself by uniformity and by a Uh, penal code that is not going to work any longer so the challenge here is neither an extreme individual revolt wherein he is disconnected with the whole world and see whose ultimate revolt can go to the extent that one revolts from creation itself and enters into a state of one's own inner freedom uh, last time we were speaking about that all this crisis the solution is to turn within and turn above to find the divine but even this human beings can do many people have done till now as a door of escape from the uh, battle and toil and the hard effort that creation demands from us so the big challenge now is not just unity not just individuality but unity in diversity unity in multiplicity and this challenge cannot be so long as we remain individual egos and the group life remains a collective ego that's how we have proceeded so far and the adaptation has been very difficult so the individual ego just as the individual ego has to change and rediscover its true self the self within which is one with the divine in essence and a portion of the divine in terms of the manifestation we are all one with the divine in essence but when it comes to manifestation each one of us expresses a portion of the infinity of divine consciousness similarly in the group life be it the life of a collectivity be it the life of a nation be it the life of a civilization or the world itself or all the creatures we have to discover the one universal self which is behind each one and yet it is expressing itself differently through different communities and different groups because right now the tussle is between one group life imposing itself on another so this is not what is the original plan and the moment we deviate from the original plan it won't work out so what is required now is individuals who are pioneers who can find this right balance between the individual and the collectivity and this right balance cannot be found in any particular ideology any particular religion theology or you know philosophical system of thought it has to be found by discovering the divine within and the divine in the collectivity so in india we have this thought of nar which is the human portion and the narayana who is the divine in immanent in man uh, i'm not going to the semantics of the word uh, that's a different uh, thing altogether but human consciousness is a means for the 
Narayanada, one who dwells within this house to manifest itself. So the mistake that uh, many of these olden, uh, older yogas made was, they understood the divine beyond the manifestation in his unmanifested and they withdrew from the manifestation, saying that it is corrupted from the core, it is impossible to correct it because it is the result of a desire. Wherever desire sprang from, it is a moot question. But Shurabindu brings back the correct understanding by explaining to us, revealing to us the purpose of the manifestation. Because otherwise it is a disconnected state that we are either in this world or away from the world. To link the two is what man is meant to be. He is meant to be the bridge through which he can leap, his consciousness can leap. Not only to another domain or another level or another plane, that is what we have been doing so far. But it can take a leap into another state of consciousness while still in the body. And by the pressure of this growing consciousness, the body itself will transmute. So the solution that Sri brings is this very simply that we can change any amount of human systems. We can have brainstorming sessions. We can have all kinds of debates, discussions, all kinds of things we can devise. But if man does not change, there is ultimately no hope because in the implementation, how many times we have seen that there are good intentions as you know, it's very well said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We have good intentions. Everybody today, you know, will say that I have good intention. Even the man who is outrightly in the name of a religion, plundering and murdering people will say it's a good intention. If you ask him, he will say, well, I want the reign of uh, God and universal equality. So you tell him, what are you doing? No, no, that's the only way that, you know, humanity can become one. So it's not about being good intentioned and goodwill. It's also important. I'm not saying that it's happening always with good intention, but even in the best case scenario, what is important is to discover the divine, not just of present or the past or the future in terms of essence, but discover the divine manifestation that is going to take place in the future. That's what Shurabindu brings. The solution is that not only we must discover the divine and discover a new consciousness beyond this world. You know, in traditional yogas, people are known to dwell in status of consciousness, higher realms in heavens, in Vaikuntha, Kailash with their, uh, you know, loved uh, deity. But to embody this consciousness here, this is the bigger challenge. Why? Because as the consciousness expands, the human body cannot contain it. Because it's limited to receive a certain kind of and certain degree of vibrations. The moment it includes, it, it goes beyond that range, it tends to break up. You know, even genius, for instance, it's known that how, you know, geniuses are sometimes called as crack pots. So the pot really cracks because they literally open to higher ranges. If we look at the action of some of the people who have ascended into a greater domain, um, all the social ethical standards, they are set aside because they live in a large measureless world. So that we don't want that there is a complete upsetting. But what is required is this new consciousness should be able to be bodied here. Not only in terms of the human body, this is one part of the problem. But also it should be able to body itself in the form of institutions, in the form of group life. So this is what Shurabindu brings as the solution. An embodiment of a new consciousness which starts with an idea force. So the first necessity is for the idea force to be accepted. So what is the idea force that man can change to start with? Up till now we have been told man cannot change. Only his soul can find a door of exit and enter into superconscious states through what is known as samadhi. 
and as far as man is concerned his bodily life his uh, uh, family life his relational life his life in contact with the world his uh, nervous system his uh, thought his heart they remain the same you can better them within a range of sat gun rajogun and tamogun the three modes of nature but you cannot transmute it fundamentally so the yogin used to withdraw from the world because it was very painful on one side to discover this greater consciousness on the other side to enter into the arena of the world where there is nothing which corresponds to it now this is the um, struggle and this is the challenging and the difficult part that uh, all those who are called upon this path have to engage in on one side the discovery of greater and greater levels of consciousness on the other side an adaptation of the mind bodily life and the body itself the nervous energies and our group life therefore it is a slow process very often people you know want a good formula quick formula and very often we see that in the name of shurvindo's yoga there are some practices which are being taught that enter into the heart and discover something or go above these practices are well known to discover the divine that's not the issue that's the simpler part to discover the divine is not difficult because there is nothing else but the divine all that is required is to quieten this surface nature and we'll see that there is nothing else but the divine as the mother puts it in peace and silence the eternal manifests by whatever means and there are many means if we quieten the restless outer activity and the inner being will discover the divine because there is nothing else but the divine the difficult and challenging part is this divine when it its splendor enters into life in mind and body how do they respond to it and that's where we see the rise of resistances so the rise of resistances and challenges in the world are because of a world yoga which is going on that's how shundu puts it so as in an individual when the divine consciousness touches and impacts suddenly all kinds of things begin to rise from the subconscious terrains it's very interesting that while people follow all kinds of paths and is perfectly fine we see people immediately agreeing accepting uh, an unquestioning acceptance of the guru but with shurabindo one turns to the path and all kinds of doubts begin to arise now that's because these deep seated resistances in human nature that's what is described in the debate of love and death so the bodily life is still largely under the influence of the inconscient while it is easy to liberate a part of the mind a higher mind and receive a truth but the moment we enter into life into relationship into this world into the action of the body there is a problem and shobindo beautifully explains that the problem is dual corporeal and psychological and while psychologically it is possible to have a change of consciousness within the corporeal challenge especially with regard to food and sexuality is a real big challenge to human nature because with food we draw from the inconscient the moment we eat food we draw things from the inconscient because food is ultimately from the from matter it it changes into plant and then animal life whatever way but its roots are there from matter which is under the field grip of inconscient and the other is sexuality through which we throw out the energy again back into the Uh, you know outwardly so these are the two big challenges and shobindo has given a whole path towards navigating the challenge but the key here is to understand that the solution that shobindo offers to the world is not a change of formulas whereas human being is unchanged the focus should be change the human beings and new formulas will emerge 
and they they will not be formulas which are like today we practice very hard rigid formulas universally applicable it will be the emergence of the law of one's own being in the course of evolution if we want to put a term to it then it's a very uh, difficult to swallow term divine anarchy where there is ultimate where there is no uh, you know the structures are so flexible and plastic if we look at the divine dealings with the world that's why we cannot understand the divine way in the world because we we put, put up a uh, standard uh, artificial standard by the mind and we want the divine to conform to it under all circumstances so we don't understand why the divine seems to be giving a very fair deal to one and very raw deal to another he should be equal to all by equality that's what we mean that he should treat everybody as equal but that's not how the divine deals everybody is equal but each one's law of evolution is different each one's stage of evolution is different we can understand it with an example that the way the mother or father deal with the child who is 2 year old is not the same at 5 year old is not the same at 10 year old is not the same at 15 is not the same at 25 and not the same at 40 so humanity is in different stages of evolution and that's why religion doesn't work because religion gives a fixed code for everyone to follow that's why ideologies don't work because they posit an ideal in the mind but don't teach us how to really realize it in real life so this is the challenge and it can it's only possible through an not just a spiritual evolution but a progressive spiritualization this is the word shervindo uses of the whole race of course the key is to find the divine because all else follows after that it's not about an intellectual discussion about the new creation key is to finding the divine but as she would say not just the divine will as it had manifested in the past but the divine will as it is going to manifest in the future so in the past we had the manifestations of divine will often people ask what is the difference buddha christ krishna shurabindo they all teach the same thing only one thing is the same thing and that is there is the divine within buddha called it the permanent doesn't matter names don't matter but the new thing that shurabindo brings it is the manifestation of the divine in earthly life especially the physical body so what we have to do is on one side the world is rushing after finding solutions at a human level for human problems much of it the problem that we have created many of the imbalances in nature are created by us with the advent of the mind the mothers interprets this biblical story in this way that this uh, the way the mind has deviated from the straight and simple and direct action of the instinct in animal in animal they are driven by instinct but they respond spontaneously to an inner law of being and they don't create disturbances in nature but man because he has deviated from this it was a passage because of the coming of the mind he is constantly torn between the choices between what he should do and what he should not do and therefore he has not discovered the law of his being and it is important uh, because man doesn't have a collective um, instinct each one has to individually discover it so that's the beauty of it but for the moment when we pass into the mind it seems like a fall so she says that it is indeed a fall because we have lost the spontaneity of the animal life and we have not yet arrived at the intuition of the gods so we are caught in in the middle between the animal life and its spontaneity and the intuitive knowledge of the gods so this is the passage and for us who Uh, who have seen through and understood that none of these methods are going to work the mother says that what is the starting point of this yoga who are the ones who are ready to undertake this journey who understand that none of the human methods that we have used so far 
can really solve the problem of life. We have, one sees through it and understand the limitations. And I could take countless examples, including what we are going through in the present times. Has modern medicine solved the problem? I can speak about the field. No, it has not solved the problem. With the multiplication of drugs, there is multiplication of hospitals. There is a multiplication of diseases. So, there is a very interesting little exchange between Shirobindo and Niroda. Niroda was the doctor in charge of the dispensary and Shirobindo also used the word my doctor. <laughs> he, is, he is my poet and my doctor. I mean, he so close relationship. So, Niroda asked that, you know, I believe the mother is planning something uh, he thought that she's planning a hospital. Maybe somebody may have told him. So the dream of the new millennium, because that time to have a hospital and a big nursing home was a big thing. I mean, people were treating with, uh, you know, registered medical practitioners in a small dispensary. But look, Shurabindu's vision, how far he was saying. He said, this is not the dream of the new millennium. The dream of the new millennium will be when there are no hospitals and no doctors needed. That was the vision that he was carrying within. At that point of time, when people, you know, bringing in a medical setup with a big hospital setup was regarded as really sign of progress. So many things which we consider a sign of progress from the divine vision are not signs of progress. They are sometimes even deviating from the, uh, you know, authentic life that human beings at some stage were leading. She describes the stage of evolution from the animal to man and the first human beings who were still in contact with the law of the creator within them and lived with that kind of spontaneous instinct with nature. That's how they could discover herbs and all these things without uh, you know, going through the statistical analysis. But nevertheless, we have veered into this curve for a purpose and we have to emerge out of it. So this is the challenge before us on one side to open the doors to this greater consciousness. And the process I am sure must have been discussed. But essentially the process that Shurabindu gives us is a threefold process. And this is to be continued together simultaneously. And there is no fixed time when we have to practice it. Shurabindu's yoga is not a half an hour, 45 minutes, one hour uh, practice. After which we just lead our life with a little bit of. It's a yoga which is world transforming yoga. So it has to go on throughout life. And the process is the same aspiration, rejection and surrender. What is this aspiration? Not just to discover the divine, which is of course wonderful, but to manifest the divine, to express him through mouth, through speech, through eyes, through ears, through, through all the senses. The senses should undergo a transmutation through the very bodily existence to manifest the divine in life. So to aspire for that. And again, when we aspire, there are things which are which come in the way and that is called rejection, which, which is the old habits, the old way of life, the old thoughts. That no, no, world will be the way it is because it's incorrigible. If, if we nurture that thought and at the same time speak of new creation, then we'll become nothing but a battlefield. So that's where these things have to be rejected, the old way of life. In classical yoga, it is called concentration and renunciation. But these terms have become, uh, have developed a specific meaning. So a better word is aspiration because aspiration is something dynamic and rejection. So rejection is again not a rejection of something outwardly, but rejection of my dealing with life at a certain level in a certain way. That must be rejected. For instance, when we meet life and its challenge, we, uh, we, we meet it through certain fixed opinions of the mind, through certain viewpoints, attitudes, through certain habitual 
reactions of life. For instance, if somebody insults, the reaction is of anger. If somebody pleases me, flatters me, the reaction is, oh, he's a wonderful person. Even if he's the you know worst person on earth, still it's such a wonderful person. Because somebody is flattering me. Or if a group flatters my hopes, then that is the best group. And of course, with the body, through all kinds of various conditionings. All this has to be rejected. For instance, this idea that we must die. Now it may sound very outlandish. But Sri is here to do outlandish things. <laughs> so this idea that we must die. We must question why one should die. Plant, there are certain trees which don't die. There are certain parts which rejuvenate themselves. Salamander for instance. How, how does it happen? So there is no such fixed rule about life. Life itself gives us the hints and suggestions. But over a period of time we have gathered matter, cells are impregnated with this idea. Oh we must die, we must die. And how often we keep hearing from people. How old are you? Okay, 60. 60, okay. So what are your post-retirement plans? Sorry, in I mean Indian setup now things have changed. 70, 75. But immediately... Oh, you are a grandparent. Again, the idea of old age. Oh, celebrating the 80th birthday. You know, when Nalini Das 90th birthday was being celebrated, the mother said, I want him to forget his age and be like a child, but they are hell-bent upon reminding him that he is 90 year old. So this whole concept, this whole way of approach, and this is just one example, habit of sickness. He says sickness is a habit. How does this habit form? We go into a zone where there is sickness. Now, there are all sorts of suggestions. Oh, you know, you ate this food, you will have a stomach upset. Oh, you know, you went there, somebody sneezed out there, you are bound to develop a common cold or some cold. Nowadays, cold is no more common. Common or the uncommon cold. Everything is impregnated, imprinted upon the cells and this imprint has to be washed away. First, by thought, which is the mediator. That there is no such absolute rule about life. It's just an unfolding of habits. And these habits are deeply ingrained. It's not that it will go in one day. But this idea must be accepted. The acceptance of the idea force that life can change, matter can change, mind can change. The first important thing is this. In traditional yoga, we go with this idea, it cannot change. But we have to find the divine within. Here it is, it not only it can change, it must change. That is the whole idea. As Shubhinda puts it, There is the divine perfection within. And to contact that divine perfection, if it makes no change in our outer life, if there is no change of consciousness and its result visible in the outer life, then it is a meaningless thing. Just to believe that there is a divine perfection within and above is not enough. It must change our life. So this is the new yoga and this we see this impulse has begun to seize mankind. So world over we see this new approach towards the whole direction of yoga has turned towards how to, you know, even people speak about, though it's still in kind of ignorant way, but people speak about changing nature. There's something very interesting. Can the brain power be increased? Yes, it can be increased. Can we learn to deal with stresses better? Yes, it can be done. Can we have a better relationship? Now people speak about, you know, lower your expectation, learn to let go. These are all very early hints that there is a possibility that we can deal with life very differently. Is it possible to prolong youth? Yes, it's possible. We are trying ways and means which are still 
belonging to the domain of ignorance but at least the aspiration has seized mankind that there must be a perfection of terrestrial life not just individual but collective and i think that is the sign of what things are going to be so our entire focus should be towards the future what will happen to the past what will happen to the life that clings obstinately to uh, you know the past way well it may collapse the mother spoke about it she said that a time comes for a long time there is this pressure put on humanity to change to change but as i said it this pressure um, by the highest force it's not like people expect that super super mind should immediately change people we can't even open to super mind and if we were to open it in all likelihood the fuse will be blown off so the mother first speaks of widening she speaks of plasticity which is already happening today we cannot live without widening our world view gone are the days when my little uh, you know street and my little village uh, and the wise old man in that village knew everything about everything gone are the days simply because now there is a needed widening even the physical body by the very fact of traveling it it is assimilating different kind of force currents habits and thereby it's undergoing an adaptation even the bursting of ozone layer everything is eventually uh, i mean it's not that this is a recommended thing but all these things are challenging the body to evolve beyond the point uh, beyond the human level so we see that widening is required and the second she is things she spoke about is plasticity so plasticity means we should be ready for the new things there is a very beautiful prayer that the mother would give to the children in the ashram those who went to the uh, school ashram school uh, make us the hero warriors we aspire to become and then she said heroism is not uh, bullying somebody outwardly bullying somebody is not even in heroism in the conventional sense heroism is to conquer the ego self so she says make of us the hero warriors we aspire to become may we fight successfully the great battle of the future that is to be born against the past that seeks to resist so that we may be ready to receive the new things that are about to manifest so this whole thing becomes a very beautiful in a nutshell the idea make of us the hero warriors the age of the ego is gone everything that pampers and panders to my ego self has to go to serve the divine will should become the aim and then the next is that there is a struggle going on between the future that is to be born and the past that seeks to endure this struggle is not only collective it is also individual it is happening in every body in every mind in every heart there is an old way of life which continues to hold us in its grip and it's coming from everywhere so it's no point lamenting about it when when a new creation comes much of the old world is bound to collapse so because it knows its end is near it tries to resist to the nail and take our human mind in its grip very badly because it knows it's going to collapse so we don't have to be disturbed by it or worried about it many people become very disturbed that oh if there is a world war if there is this and that and she says very clearly that there is nothing to be afraid fear has no place in sadhana and those who are turned to the yoga are being carried towards the new creation as simple as that this is the word of promise this is the assurance on which of course without that assurance and promise uh, all this idea about new creation has no meaning because of the divine presence it is assured so our focus should be toward the future and within us we have to see what is it within me 
as he says that everyone carries something of the uh, undivine something of the anti divine element within us that part with resist a person may have a very beautiful opening uh, in the mind but his heart may resist or may have a very beautiful opening in the heart but the mind may be full of doubts or he may have a very good opening in the mind and the heart but his life may follow a totally different pattern and a very uh, you know dark and um, uh, path of the lower instincts all these have to be taken into reckoning and each one has to bear his own burden of what we call as the anti divine and keep on offering to the divine mother so that she can bring out the divine possibilities within it because even in the darkest corners there lurks a seed of the divine a possibility of the divine how actually it is being worked out very beautifully shrubinder at the beginning had explained is there in the first 50 pages of the synthesis he speaks about a representative humanity this idea that there will be large scale conversion suddenly all over the world there will be a you know hallelujah and everybody wakes up and says ah wow this new creation it doesn't work out like that no new creation works out like that there will be groups islands of humanity here and there who will strive as he says that there are people in all over the world who believe it who want it who aspire for it so it is they who will come together and it will manifest in strange ways an awkward looking creature who is neither man nor superman so he'll create those kind of many intermediate about eight or nine probably but who knows several successive abortive species will come or subspecies where one will find it queer because this man no more belongs to the old social order and the person is no more crossed over to the other side it's a period of transition and she said this is going to last long and she said that you know we are harassed by this thought because we have a small lifespan we want everything to happen within our lifetime but this requires patience courage endurance and faith this process is a long process sri shobindo has engaged us as i say sometimes in a thousand year project toward the future and we have to move these are first small infant steps every infant step is a step in that direction so this is the coming together of the two poles of existence hemispheres and by their fusion not annihilating the lower by the higher nor escape from the lower of the to the higher but by the transformation of the lower into terms of the higher every human activity draws itself every human force every human knowledge draws itself from its divine origin and it has become a maimed replica here for example knowledge knowledge is there in as aspect of the divine but that knowledge is based on oneness it is not diluted by appearances it is not uh, it is governed by a deep wisdom that knows for everything what is the right law intuitive knowledge or even more than that that knowledge knows about the entire past present future as a single uh, thread in continuity but right now knowledge has become gathering information inferences deduction analysis etc which is not knowledge anymore it is called ignorance in spiritual parlance this ignorance must be replaced on uh, with knowledge instead of a knowledge based on division it should be based on unity then similarly with love human love has become a uh, you know so much so it has become a um, uh, movement of uh, ignorant movement with so much of turbidity 
that there are people wise ones uh, who believe that if you really want to find the divine get rid of all emotions because it is it will create turbulence in life but no if emotions are gone in life then there is no ananda itself they they are the rasa of existence so they have to be transmuted into true um, waves of divine love which uplift everything the true emotion is that whatever it touches it fills it with a secret joy it uplifts everything towards the height that is the true emotion the divine emotion so this human emotion has to be replaced by that and then of course the life energy itself and so on and so forth every aspect every little cell has to be deprogrammed and reprogrammed every group has to be deprogrammed and reprogrammed and it is done the process is of course by opening to the mother so this process is long and it has its own unexpected dangers that is the other part because it's something never done before it is the unexpected that's why the mother shobinda has used the word it is the hour of the unexpected all our calculations don't work because a new thing is going to emerge so what is going to save us in this journey what is the guarantee what is the security and the mother says very beautifully that guarantee and the security is divine love divine love has the power to transmute even the adverse forces divine love has the power to transform without destruction up till now the little pressure of the divine and tremendous destruction can follow there is a very interesting story in uh, in the ramayana where ravana the you know ten headed mighty who had tamed even the gods made them captive imprisoned them he is a shiva bhakta so he goes and wants shiva to come to his lanka and he wants to appropriate him become his sole possessor and custodian henceforth anybody wants to meet shiva they have to go through ravana that is what he wanted so he goes and asks shiva to come and shiva is in his trance and then ravana starts trying to lift the mount kailash along with shiva because he is capable of doing it and then parvati nudges him that look here what your bhakta is doing all that shiva needs is to put a little pressure from his toe and his arms are crushed that's the time when he has this famous uh, shiva stroth is born jata jata that you know he praises shiva so that he releases the pressure and he can pull out his hands so if a little pressure from you know shiva has been called as the lord of transformation because he destroys and new creates he allows he makes way for the new creation so if a little pressure of that and he is an aspect can disturb the consciousness or the being the mighty uh, ravana what to speak of this tremendous consciousness supramental which is far greater even than the our mind gods so we have to prepare ourselves the mind has to prepare heart has to prepare life has to prepare and body has to prepare itself and that now we understand when we look at life from that point of view that oh so all experiences are preparations yes what we thought as an end is not an end so when people are disappointed in life they resign and they turn to god and they say we have become spiritual no it is because life has not been you know probably it's it's impacted us very badly so we want to turn to god to seek refuge but the real thing is to return back to life with a new poise every time we are disturbed 
the tendency is to run away you have a problem in a relationship cut it you know this one of the thing cut it break it destroy it cast it aside every time we have a challenge to run away find a way door of escape how about returning back with a new poise it's a challenge given to us every time there is something we don't understand we have a tendency to drop it how about finding new ways of understanding every time we feel that institutions are stifling to individual growth let's take the example of educational systems mind made educational systems are now hardly or schools they are hardly education they become mere performance oriented places and that's why they are breaking down how about finding new ways and approaches to education and so novel that they are completely free from all the trappings including the walls and the roofs but a natural education that springs from life to take an example you can teach everything by simply if a child has interest in athletics and running that running involves everything biology physiology physics chemistry geography history everything anthropomorphology sociology everything is there within that confidence courage all the psychological qualities that's why when sports were started in the ashram nobody could understand the purpose and shurbindo had to write articles that's one of the best means to develop some of the qualities needed for the yogic path that is the kind of plasticity we need to have not that okay let us do now let us practice uh, this yoga so let us all sit together and engage in some kind of a technique or a method how about practicing yoga on a football field doesn't it teaches that hani labho jaya jeo success and failure victory and defeat the aim of the yogin is to take the delight of the game and not to be uh, driven by the duality mind bond duality of whether i won or lost so this is how through natural life through organically through all the experiences we can learn and grow so this is how our whole systems have to evolve and change we are speaking about marriage the basis of old order marriage was a social stamp sometimes it had a religious sanction marriages are made in heaven suffered on earth endlessly you have no choice because heaven has put you together you can't you can't challenge the you know the law of heaven but look at it how silly it is it's not heaven that de- decides marriage in this way it is love that decides whether two people should live together or not if love has passed away they have a right to move because or they have to find ways and means to augment this love that is the real problem and that is the solution the solution is not that i will not change and often i have this issue as a psychiatrist people have a problem they have a breakup they want to get into another but it doesn't work simply because i have not changed i have not understood what is the problem that energy of love has to change itself so when we look at life like this and go through with open eyes then we prepare ourselves for the new creation the new creation is a creation of unity it is a state in which we are constantly in a state of peace replacing the agitation and the mad rush and the restlessness of life with a self existent luminous peace not a piece of inertia but a peace which is powerful a peace which spontaneously understands the truth behind things it is a peace which doesn't get disturbed because it knows god's play in creation so while it empathizes while it un- you know it sees and feels the compassion it doesn't rush to cut the cosmic knot 
because it understands that this is the process of evolution. Similar, uh, similarly, in the new creation, it will be based on a self-existent ananda, not the play of um, today I am happy, tomorrow I am sad, or you know, every happiness I am getting two sorrows free of cost. Self-existent ananda. Why? Because the narrower we become, the more we enter into the play of happiness and sorrow, dualities. Because narrow means walls. Delight is freedom. Freedom is delight. The vaster our consciousness becomes, the more we enter into delight. So this is the law. But the more our consciousness becomes narrow, it goes to a point where it enters into the vanishing point in the inconscient. See, the degree people suffer has nothing to do with their outer, uh, what they have in their outer life. It is a state of consciousness. If the consciousness is narrow, even if everything is there outside, we people still commit suicide. Doesn't it happen or not? There are people who are billionaires and commit suicide. They have everything in life which somebody else would covet and they commit suicide. Because the consciousness has entered into a very dark, narrow state. So this must change. The consciousness must become luminous, peaceful, delightful, vast. And then as this consciousness will grow, we have to reject the temptation of withdrawing into the ultimate. Because if we yield to that, then it's the old yoga. One stands on the threshold, remains within the body and let this greater consciousness dwell within the body and exercise pressure. This is how all leaps take place. And if one can do it, it's not an easy thing because when the consciousness expands, becomes vast, is luminous, then the moment it sees the life as it is, the tendency is okay. Forget it. I have a wonderful space to go. Chal khusro ghar apne ab rehna bhai videsh. Oh khusro, let's go to my home. It's night here. But here the approach is children of immortality enter into night. This is the original reason why we have colonized matters night. So that it can be transformed into a wonderful temple abode of the divine which it is meant to be. So with that patience, endurance, faith, one continues within the body while the consciousness is changing. Also we prepare the body to become a better receptacle through various means. Physical culture is one of them. Until this consciousness keeps on putting pressure and pressure on the body till new ways it begins to uh, transform itself. And only two examples I will give after which three examples after which we will take question and answer. One example is, I don't know, uh, I have seen in the Indian context I can speak about that the generation before mine used to eat very much. They could eat any amount and digest it. My own uh, maternal uncle, you know, a Brahmin to his name, could eat 50 puris. Wonderful human being. 50 puris with one katora of rabdi. And you know, people keep saying that is the diabetic capital. He could digest everything and it was not uncommon. Then, when I became a doctor, one of the complaints that mothers used to bring was, my child doesn't eat. My child doesn't eat. Something has happened to his appetite. And I would say, good, good sign. <laughs> they wouldn't understand. <laughs> because they had seen this change. They were the ones and their parents who could eat well, very big eaters. And these children, their appetite had gone down. So I used to ask them that, is he active? Yes, he is very active, super active, hyperactive. Whole day he is hyperactive. I said, what's your problem then? Because they were drawing spontaneously energy from a different domain. I am not saying that the ultimate, but just one example. Second example, 
and this with regard to the sexuality and automatically when long back there is a conversation when mother is asked that what will happen to the sexual impulse in man how is it going to be conquered it's the most difficult thing rooted in the biology rooted in the cells mother laughs and then he says you know uh, eventually nature will find its way then it she hints very briefly you know uh, there are some cases of impotence which are increasing in the world she hints at it that after a while the whole impulse will exhaust itself and there would be a tendency to discover a new form of relationship not based on just a sexual interchange but on a newer basis on an intellectual companionship on a deeper soul aspiration now this what is happening this is one thing not the main thing physical relationship and that is also changing towards a sublimated kind of union not the crude animal kind which Hundred years. I mean, I have seen two generations before or one generation before me, where marriages were made that now the person has grown up, and you see the entire idea of Victorian morality because it was so much centered around man-woman differences, which may lead to an explosion. Now, a stage went through when men men and women mix freely, and the next stage will be where the change will precipitate. The new right balance will be found. There will be difficulties and challenges, and the third thing. where she says because the new creation will be a being who is um, uh, not new to gender but uh, the way there is a gross differentiation between the masculine and feminine form nature is created for various purposes that will begin to get blurred so there will be a kind of fusion of these two types so many of these things which are happening today lgbt and all this we talk about this because a new kind of discovery man is beginning to discover a new kind of relationship that it's not just physical it's more psychological there is a masculine type and a feminine type and that need not always correspond to the body these new thoughts are coming into this world so these are the changes the revolutions the upsetting of political systems financial systems the need for discovering the true soul of a nation all these things the urge towards unity all these are early steps of the new creation and even the urge and the belief that human life can be prolonged maybe 150 years scientific methods will be there that will not be the um, ultimate uh, answer but it will provide a beginning once the human mind accepts that life can be prolonged it will work towards it to discover youthfulness throughout life to discard this idea that you know i am old i am as old as i believe myself to be so these are the new trend setting trending things <laughs> which are beginning to stir the mind of man and they are just the early hints the whispers of the dawn they are stirring the mind of the race and seizing the collective imagination of mankind they are awakening in the aspiration of the human being and all this is a sign of what the future shall be to close with these lines of shurbindo where he speaks of thus shall the mass transcendent mount his throne when darkness deepens strangling the earth's breast and man's corporeal mind is the only lamp as a thief's in the night shall be the covert tread of one who steps unseen into his own house and that then at the end he says that god shall grow up while the wise men talk and sleep he is destined to grow up because he is like that god immanent divine is represented in the story of krishna always youthful 
always wanting to break barriers and moving forward. God shall grow up while the wise men talk and sleep, for man shall not know the coming till its hour. Who knows even in the thick of night that this, just the dawn is going to break. Just to witness that moment. For man shall not know the coming till its hour. And belief shall be not till the work is done. The deed has been done in principle. 1962 the mother spoke of the deed is done, the deed is done. Now it has to express itself in more and more in people who are marked out for whatever reasons to be the pioneers of the new creation. But they will not be the only ones as uh, Brother Narad read so beautifully that there will be more and more souls which will enter into the light. As more and more beings grow, they are force multiplier. It doesn't matter that there are, how many are there? Even if there are hundred, they will multiply into ten thousand by the pressure on the earth consciousness. And this is a critical number beyond which it will just contaminate the earth. So instead of the contagion of the virus of gloom, depression, prophecies of doomsday and destruction, let us spread the vaccine of hope and positivity and the joy of a new creation. Let us live with this promise of the future and the joy of participating in this unprecedented adventure. Let our hearts be full of enthusiasm and gratitude that we belong to the dawns, we do not belong to the dawns of the past, but to the noons of the future. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you, Alok, for this beautiful uh, talk and inspiration. We have several questions here. Uh, yes. I, I may read for you. So, what is mind of light? What are the qualities and what can we do every day to develop it in us? Yes. So mind of light is differentiated, to put it in that way, as a contrast from the mind of ignorance. So mind of ignorance in which most human beings dwell, it moves from ignorance towards light. You know that prayer, Asadogama Sadgamya Tamsoma Jyutargamya. I remember Vladimir Riyad once very beautifully explained that, but it is also the light which is hidden inside darkness. So, but normally we move from ignorance towards knowledge. But the mind of light moves from knowledge towards greater knowledge. So already this mind is suffused with the supram. It's a, still the earthly mind, which has developed through a process of evolution. But out of this earthly mind, there is created a mind which is suffused with the knowledge which is coming from above. So it is like the meeting point of the supramental light, which is developing within the earthly mind, a mind of light, because of which now creation moves from light to point of greater light. To you know, uh, there are several analogies we can take to that extent, but the main way to develop it is by opening to the mother. The way remains the same because we may try to open to the supramental light directly, but the conditions are not easy, and Shurvitra has cautioned against it. Uh, turning to the mother is very easy because we begin to be molded in the consciousness of the one whom we love and open to. Second is when we turn to the mother vis-a-vis turning to the supramental consciousness, whatever way we can conceive it, we may run the risk of turning the supramental which is beyond all conceptions into a certain kind of mental conception. 
and that itself will be disastrous. Or if at all it was to impact suddenly, there will be no cushion and the mind may be blown up. Instead of becoming a mind of light, it may enter the field of cosmic ignorance. Sri describes this in Live Divine, this danger toward the end in triple transformation. So two things which are important is, first is the psychic emergence. So that when the new light comes, we don't mix it up and confuse it and all becomes a jumble with the old. And the second is opening to the mother through which the change begins to come. She gives us what is we are ready for and she makes us ready for the next step. And the third is to practice wideness, equanimity and plasticity. So whenever we are challenged, whenever thought is challenged with another thought, instead of trying to oppose that, we have to find a synthesis, unifying synthesis. This should become a way of life. And the ability of the mind to become quiet at will, active at will and quiet at will. So this is the ultimate um, you know, plasticity. And for the mind to become a passive, reflective, reflecting mirror of, of the light. So to be upturned. Until it, there, there comes a time when it is so much bathed in that light that it is transmuted. Just like in the old creation, in the creation of ignorance, nature brought out buddhi or the discerning intellect to help man journey from ignorance to knowledge. Now it has brought out the mind of light which helps us journey from lesser light to greater light. So the fundamental ignorance is gone. So by fundamental ignorance is meant that I am just this body, I am, you know, soul, I don't know where, whether there is one or not. So these are fundamental ignorance. This mind of light has the intuitive certitude that no, we are the soul. It's even before the experience. It knows that there are greater ranges of consciousness. It seeks them. It is upturned. It doesn't make the mistake of trying to analyze and doubt and... Uh, find ways and means through which we can find truth through a process of analysis. It knows that, that that is not the way. So it is the mind of light which moves from light to greater light and in the course of time it develops capacities of intuition, inspiration, revelation, illumination, right action. All these develop subsequently with the mind of light as the fundamental brace or the matrix for the mind to grow further into various other Glories of the Spirit. Thank you. Um, related questions to the same, uh, the transition, the transitional being, yes. Um, uh, the question from Soumya. The mother talks uh, of intermediate being between man and superman, and that is exactly the mind of light, is that the beginning of real change. Any light you can send on this will be appreciated. Oh, there will be many, many, many steps. For instance, when she was asked, who is a apprentice superman? She said, everybody who is trying an effort at self-mastery is an apprentice superman. Then she gave another hint that there will be different types of approaches simultaneously. They will create many transitional beings. For example, Shurabinder in a letter to Dilip Kumar Roy speaks of at least, if I may use a scientific term, Two kind of super subspecies, if you want to put it like that. Like before Homo sapiens erectus, which is what we are, there were various hominids, hominids, including Homo erectus, uh, Homo sapiens, not yet erectus, because he was still little crowd, and you know, the Australian man, etc., which were distinguished by the form. But here, the differentiation will be first in terms of consciousness. So there is one kind of humanity which will approach through the heart. And Shubhinder uses the word homo psychicus. 
in whom the truth, this new creation will manifestate from the heart like a blossoming of a bud into a flower. There will be another who will approach through the mind and he uses the word homo intellectualis <laughs> who will enter into a kind of wideness and impersonality. Of course, this, at great length he has described all this in the life divine that when we approach to the mind, what are the issues? When we approach to the heart, what are the issues? So depending on the first point of contact or there are people who would just want to work for the divine. Depending on the first point of contact, we'll have several kind of intermediate species who will even possibly quarrel between themselves. Because they are still beings of transition. And beings of transition are always, you know, in a state of flux. They are in a state of quasi-imperfection, perfection. And uh, they would take it as a resting point. And there will be fights and uh, sometimes uh, misunderstandings and co- uh, confusions. Like the Neanderthals and, uh, you know, the other species <laughs> which fought on the plains of Europe. And unfortunately, Neanderthals lost. But well, that was the greater plan of things. So there will be these kind of things which will happen, which we actually notice happening. So th- depending on the point of approach, depending on the stage of evolution, depending on even the effort towards self-mastery, we'll have many, many self-species, uh, su- su- super subspecies who will be not man anymore, but they will not have found the truth and the true law of being for this journey. So there will be many subspecies. Some of them will continue to progress. Some will just come and go away. For example, we observe this as I was saying, in, in younger generation, many of the distinctions have got blurred in their mind because the old world and its measures have gone away. But the new has not emerged. So, I sometimes I use the word washout generation. Or there are children who are very restless. Tremendous energy, vital energy and other forms of even new energy. But it is thrown away in, you know, roots which are uh, like sometimes, you know, what is called as vice is abundance energy throwing into wrong channels because the channels are not ready. So, but children are very energetic, tremendously energetic. Sometimes the thought is high climbing, but the life is maimed. So, all these variations and many more are bound to come because of the impact of the new consciousness. It's impossible to speak about all of them. But some of them will continue to progress, some will be aborted. My own impression is that some of the, uh, like people went into drugs for example. It was because they wanted to experience alternate domains. Now, this was something very new. They didn't know how to do it. So they went into drugs. But we know it is dangerous. It leads to the lower vital worlds more commonly. Everybody is not a Coolidge to write Kula Khan. So, but, it, well, it was an effort to break free from the molds of the mind. When the hippie movement started, Park Guesthouse, he had created in ashram mainly to accommodate the hippies. <laughs> not that the people there are. But the origin was this, that, you know, there are people who want to break free from the mold of the mind. Even the, you know, music which had come, when she was, she heard a song from the Beatles, she would say, a note here, a note there. It is from the new world. She used the word barbarians of the new world. So they were definitely better than the old world with its fixed system of, you know, uh, institutionalized humanity as a product. To those who had broken free but yet were discovering the way of being. Now that entire movement has gone away like a washout. We don't find that kind of, you know. But it did open a door. So there will be some generations who are washout generations who will open a new door. And later on, uh, you know, humanity will find its, uh, you know, true law of being. So plenty of them.
It's quite interesting that you answered already to the next question. Somehow they are all related uh, partially. If man is in transition, his new institutions also have to be in transition to remain useful. Any comments? Yeah, yeah. very much. The If I put it a bit radically, the age of institutions is over. The way our mind has conceived, conceived institutions, see how are institutions built? They are built around an idea which then the walls come later on, but institutions represents an idea. Now, this idea may be very vast and supple to accommodate many diverse things. But most often or not, this idea is, um, for example, in the business world, it's very difficult to reconcile, uh, you know, the competitive kind of uh, capitalism uh, with the corporate responsibility towards social transformation. But this is one example I am saying. So now if an institution has to do it, it has to become very vast and supple. It's not just a question of allocating some funds for, you know, doing things. But it should be inbuilt within its system so that each and every employee, uh, I mean, uh, I don't want to name certain business houses which have tried it. But this is the way they will try so that it is inwoven in the fabric of the very institution. Right now, we compartmentalize that, okay, I earn money and set aside something for charity. That's the old world. But charity begins at home. How about my own people? How they develop and grow in that sense of a joint partnership? So this is one example I am saying. Same thing with education. Education again is a division. There is a teacher and there is the taught. The student. How about that teacher teaching is learning constantly? Which means the classical setting is going to go away. So what will be the format of education in the future? Not that you know you pick up... Uh, uh, textbooks and standard format and it is uh, thrust upon the child to learn things but it will be through a question and answer process which is organic and which was the original we see in the Upanishadi case through question answers the child is a seeker and depending on his seeking the line of education opens it's not necessary that everybody knows everything but it's important that through whatever the child has natural interest in he discovers the all that is the whole, uh, I am giving an example. So institutions have to become very supple and very vast to accommodate. And Shobindu speaks about it. So the old format, for instance in the health, the moment you enter a hospital, you are a label, you are a disease, you are whatever, I mean package, you are a you know, money making person, you are the pharma, experimental model, 100 things. A hospital should be a healing space. Not a disease curing space. So that when you come out of a hospital setting, it's not hospital actually, but a healing space. Not only you are healed largely from within with some support from outside things, but you know the way of life so that you don't fall ill. So all these changes are going to come in a, in a big way. So I, I'm just uh, saying few. But institutions as they've existed today, marriage already gone. What will take its place? People are living in. They are uh, coming together on the basis of love. Now people may say this is very dangerous because they live together for five years then they move away. Yes, of course, because it will enter into experiment. But over a period of time, right now children don't know what is love, what is infatuation and the old people who don't know love try to tell them it is infatuation. So <laughs> it's over a period of time that children will discover as generations pass by that know this is the true energy of love. So there will be experimental methods. 
uh, as I said, marriage has gone. What has taken its place? Uh, some people may find it very difficult to understand what kind of new creation it is. But that is the path through which eventually we will discover to act based on the truth of feelings. Right now, the truth of feelings is buried deep inside. Everything else is on the surface, very smiling faces, wonderful life. Oh, these are the best people in the world. But inside there is so much of... So all this will go away. New sociology will come. So right now the sociology is based on criminals and who are obeying the law. And criminals have to be dealt with according to penal code. The thought has to come that prisons have to become reformatory. Sometime back somebody wrote this. Uh, you know, they, we are not treating people as criminals. But there are consciousnesses which have taken a wrong turn. And they can be changed. There should be ways and means. This concept that after 14 years or 20 years you are now out or you are hanged to death. Instead of that you could be for life. But you could learn to grow as a human being in much better ways. So a lot of changes have to come in the legal system. Nowadays the legal system generates fear. People try to find loopholes. So how did the mother change the, the, in Auroville that taxation was voluntary? Now imagine... <laughs> you you don't have a fixed system. Taxation is voluntary. What is being done in the process? You are being challenged within. If you are earning more, you give more. But it is not based on a certain fixed percentage and you know bracket. So the whole it's the whole old world is bound to collapse. Right now, because you have a fixed system, people don't consult their inner beings. They find ways and means to uh, wriggle out, except the uh, you know rigidly righteous ones. So. All this will change. Free entry to countries. Right now you have, you know, you can't be a world citizen really. So all this, you know, people should have a right to settle into a country with which they feel more in sync with. It doesn't work out now. Still the nationalities are decided based on your geography and, uh, you know, maybe the skin color. Not based on your psychology. Each nation has a unique uh, psychological development and cultural uh, beauty, its own spiritual context and uh, if a person feels more in sync with another nation, there should be a freedom to uh, you know, just join. So a lot of change uh, which are going to come by the, unfortunately, by the power of crashing circumstances. Thank you. There is a question from Bikini mentioned that the Superman is already here. It may be you, it may be even me, humorously. <laughs> no, Nolita said that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Superman is already there and there are many signs of that. This was, uh, first the mother spoke about 1969, the Superman consciousness on 1st January. So what is the Superman? He is the intermediate, uh, the mentor consciousness which will help mankind to navigate from his human animality to the divine humanity of the future. So because the bodily transmutation is not going to take place, first there must be a change of consciousness which will find the ways, it will train the body, teach the body like a mentor benevolent mentor which will teach the body eventually to find the way to transmute into the new race new creation so that is the superman consciousness and uh, then nolida himself commented on it that he's already here around the corner actually if you look at life this kind of vastness which she describes some of the attributes of the superman consciousness one of them is vastness the other is benevolence and the third is it's a guide automatically it's a guide 
So there are beings who, I mean human beings, not beings of some celestial world, who experience it within. So they are not going to declare themselves, Superman is humble. Uh, to understand who the Superman is, to diagnose him <laughs> clinically, there is a very beautiful essay of Shirobindo on the Superman, where he speaks of two lines of evolution, the titanic and the godlike. For instance, the Superman, by the very fact that he has a greater consciousness, he has a greater humility. When he, there are people who work under him, he doesn't crush them. He ennobles them and frees them. I mean, it's amazing that how he deals with life, whatever comes to his own can is ennobled, uplifted, sanctified, lifted to divine heights, divinized. Unlike the other line of Superman where you crush, destroy and you become like me. Uh, what I think you must become. So the classic example people say is of the mother herself. She never, you know, when people came, each individuality was unique and she uplifted it in its own way. No wonder we have Pavitra Dada Superman and Dilip Kumar Roy the Superman and Nalini Dada Superman and Pranab Dada Superman and Amrit Dada Superman, but all are very different. It's amazing. All are very different. And it's not that they are following the same method. So, Superman is not a fixed mold. It is the evolutionary impulsion. It's a consciousness which is going to take each one according to the line of their own evolution. And it's not about doing some superhuman things like magics and miracles. That's not what it is about. It's a consciousness which in its dealing with the earth and humanity and creatures deals on the basis of unity. And it also guides not only the mind but also the very physical being how to uh, move towards this new creation. So that's the superman consciousness and surely it is there. Nalinda did say it could be you or me. Uh, I think it was his humility. He was surely one of the supermen. <laughs> but we could apply it in a larger scale. It could be you or me. <laughs> yeah. Mother used the word for it, benevolent mentor. It's very benevolent, but it's a mentor consciousness. It teaches the body, the mind, the right action as it evolves so in a subjective age of mankind when all the outer standards are falling it is this consciousness which will lead us towards new standards the old uh, moral ethical standards have gone she says morality uh, develops by exercising reason over our animal vital nature that makes a man but the superman will go beyond the moral and the vital animal it will find its own law of conduct in an intuition which is beyond right now the you know accessibility of man. So he will not act according to the strict format but according to the law of a greater becoming that intuitive sense will reveal. So uh, Superman is bound to create a lot of confusion among men. This also she said. So become a Superman, don't uh, imitate one. <laughs> don't behave like one. <laughs> yeah. There is a question from my son. Somebody is writing, how to quiet the mind? Wow. <laughs> it's a very beautiful question. It's a whole... Uh, I think a basic practice should be just to observe the mind. If we can learn to... I'm now answering since he has mentioned from my son and it applies to everybody. Is to just learn to observe the mental movements. How it jumps to conclusions. How it rushes to opinions. How it enters into debates and arguments without even being sure of truth. 
if a debate is going on we stop both and ask them are you sure of the truth we'll see the truth that none knows the truth but each is fighting for the truth so to teach and train the mind to learn to practice quietude to learn to observe and one simple practice is when we meet people instead of rushing into discussions and debates just observe and when we learn so much the mind itself will begin to understand the diversity of uh, you know human consciousness and then to practice calling down of peace peace silence all these are available quietude above the mind or sometimes to just sit before a lake an ocean or the sky and it tends to have a quieting effect because we enter into a vastness so when we have a little moment we should enter into this state of vastness we can do it through imagination we can do it through real images and through practice this begins to develop and most importantly not to let the mind be driven by the senses all the time uh, every whatsapp ping we don't have to check we can set aside a time every knock as he says at the postman door we rush so we have to train the mind to step back take a time that okay this is the time i am going to do this of course doctors can be made an exception because they have no choice but to check the whatsapp <laughs> but we can make certain rules for discipline ourselves in a way that the mind doesn't rush at every knock so then to step back and see how many things in which the mind is engaged which are really not of importance they have no importance even from the temporal point of view so by this kind of a training by practicing inner concentration by meditation learning to pick up one subject and to enter into its core a time comes when the mind falls quiet and we enter into identity with the subject whether the subject be divine or love or peace anything so these are the exercises through which the mind can enter into a state of progressive quietude and uh, another very simple way is mantra mantra has this capacity to make the cells restless nature of the cells to enter into a state of rhythm from where they can be taken into quietude so mantra is a very powerful way and of course if one loves the divine one can simply say ma give me quietude my mind is restless like a monkey so all these options are there from which we can pick and choose thank you there is another question from my son <laughs> uh when you reach near the mother mm. how should you behave with her <laughs> <laughs> when you reach mother then we don't have to worry about behavior she she is not a mother superior with a carrot and stick in the hand and we are still trembling with it she will punish you have reached the fount of love take it like that and when one is before love what does one do one has only one of the two options the two which are together either you will feel an intense love and that love will change into surrender or adoration there is nothing else to be done behavior is the last thing it doesn't matter one doesn't have to worry i'll tell you a small little real life incidents many such incidents happened in the mother's physical life people used to go with this idea oh my child he'll be disturbing but mother would tell them to be quiet one which i have myself heard one lady who went with her 4 year old and she went to the mother and uh, the boy is running here and there and she is worried and she is asking him to be quiet this and that and the mother suddenly took her head the uh, lady's head 
put it on her lap and said, you leave it, I am the mother. You don't have to worry about, I am the mother, I'll take care. So when you go to the mother, you don't have to worry about your behavior, you have to worry about the mother's, uh, you know, whatever she does. I would probably just say, take all of me, <laughs> reconstitute me. Different people will have different things. Of course, um, I understand the question may stem from one of the things that Shurabindo gave uh, as a only rule, golden rule, that always live as if you were under the eye of the Divine Mother, do nothing, try to think and feel nothing, which would not be worthy of her presence. So this is not a moral rule where there is a stick which is controlling us. It is a subjective state in which we have to see sincerely. Am I doing something which I can do freely in front of her? Now this is a rule which is of spiritual journey. When you are in front of her, all this will vanish. Nothing will remain except her. Because it's so such a beauty and wonder and love. But if we are pr- trying to practice as if the mother is there watching over me, then all that one has to do is that whatever am I doing, I am doing. Can I do it in front of her without feeling any hesitation? Do it. No problem. See, the whole life will change. It's a rule simple in appearance, but very difficult in practice. Thousand ways we try to hide things. But when you are physically in front of mother, then one will not do any of these things because the presence itself is so powerful. So this rule is to ultimately lead us to a point where we are constantly conscious of the divine presence, divine mother within. Then this whole thing vanishes. Because then is one is moved by the mother. It's not that we decide. So we don't have to worry about it. We have to say, Mother, make me do what you want me to do. Simple. (laughs) 